Welcome to Grad Chats with Dr. B. I'm your host, Dr. B, and today I will be talking about program engagement with three of our graduate program coordinators from UCA. I have with me first Dr. Joan Simon. Dr. Simon is a professor in the Department of Psychology and Counseling and is the graduate program coordinator for the EDS program in school psychology. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Simon. Thank you, Dr. B, for inviting me. Pleasure to be here. It's going to be great. Thanks. Next, I have Dr. Thomas Bruick. Dr. Bruick is an assistant professor in the Department of Leadership Studies, and he is the graduate program coordinator for the College Student Personnel Administration Master's Program, or CSPA, as it's more commonly known. Um, Dr. Bruick, thank you for joining me as well. Thank you for the invitation, Dr. V. Looking forward to the conversation this morning. And then finally, uh, we have Dr. Reed Adams, who is a professor in the Department of Biology. Dr. Adams is also the Graduate Program Coordinator for the MS Program in Biology. Dr. Adams, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for the invitation, Dr. B, and uh, good morning, everybody, and I'm looking forward to talking about student engagement. Awesome. Um, I love that y'all are all calling me Dr. B. This is catching, and that is awesome. (laughs) So before we jump into our topic of engagement, let's take just a minute to learn a little bit about each of you. So if you will, share something about yourself, like who are you outside of UCA? Uh, Dr. Simon, will you start us off? Sure, I'd be happy to. So as Dr. B mentioned, um, my area of training is school psychology, and I worked for a number of years in the public schools before I came to UCA, and I'm actually in my third decade, I can hardly believe I'm saying that, but my third decade (laughs) of training school psychology student. But outside of UCA, I have a lot of different interests. Um, I'm a soccer mom. I have a ninth grade son, and so I'm a soccer mom to him. I really enjoy doing yoga, and I incorporate incorporate that into some of my classes on self-care for my students. I also um, enjoy gardening and am a part of the beautification committee for our neighborhood association. So have a lot of different interests outside of school. Yeah. That's awesome. I would have never guessed that you would have said three decades. Like I was waiting to hear three years about something. So three decades. That's awesome. <laughs> Dr. Bruick, you want to talk next? Definitely. Uh, so my background is in higher education administration. I worked as a a practitioner in housing, residence life, and student success for about 10 years. And then I, I moved over to my current position three years ago. So now training and working with emerging professionals. Outside of work, family is a big piece of who I am. Uh, my wife of 13 years and I met at UCA as undergraduate students. Oh. Yeah, so it's been a long time. My, yeah. It was my sophomore year, her freshman year. Wow. Uh, and we've got two awesome daughters. My oldest is six and my youngest is three. Really enjoy sports. We love going to UCA sporting events together. I'm a big soccer fan. Enjoy playing golf, so I'm not very good at it. Uh, so Karis, <laughs> Karis, my oldest, goes with me and uh, she helps me find all my errant shots as we spray it all over the course. So cool. she's my, my golfing buddy. And I'm an Arkansas native, uh, so I've got extended family in Southwest Arkansas, where I grew up, a good bit of family in Northwest Arkansas as well. Cool. How old are your daughters, did you say? Six and three. My oldest, Karis, is six, and my youngest, Harper, is three. Oh, so they're still at an age where they love chasing down the balls in the grass. I was imagining a teenager and thinking, (laughs) no, no. they'd be like, no way. (laughs) No, yeah, it's still fun right now, and I'm going to use that as long as I can. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, Dr. Adams, tell us a little bit about you. Well, uh, similar to Dr. Simon, uh, you know, following kids around at their sporting events, a lot of time spent doing that, uh, particularly uh, cross country. Yeah, I've uh, seen it, some days. of those. Yeah. <laughs> and 
And then uh, track season is will be upon us here before we know it. So a lot of time doing that. But then also I like to garden and work in flower beds and work outside and those kind of things. Uh, when we've got these nice days in Arkansas. And then kind of, you know, work away from UCA. You know, it's kind of blurred lines for me because a lot of my research is in streams across the state. And uh, so a lot of times on the weekends, uh, I'm in the field uh, with my students playing around in streams, work and play. Uh-huh. Uh, work can be fun. Uh, and my wife is also a faculty member in biology. So a lot of blurred lines between uh, work and play there. That's awesome. Now, do you you have two sons. Are they leaning towards studying biology as well? Or have y'all like scared them off from it by all the engagement with it? Actually, our oldest son is a freshman here at UCA and uh-huh. he's going to be an environmental science major. Okay. Uh, he does. He's already doing research with one of our faculty members in our lab, uh, in our department, Dr. Gifford. So mm-hmm. yeah, we've kind of rubbed off on him. Uh, not so sure about the youngest one. <laughs> Time will tell, but that's awesome. Time will tell. <laughs> so I appreciate y'all sharing. It's always interesting to see what other folks are doing outside of UCA and to see the commonalities. So, um, as you all talk about uh, sports, like who knew that Joan Simon was a soccer ball and um, and what you how your kids get you engaged in these things. So I appreciate you all sharing. So let's switch gears now and talk a little bit about program engagement and why it's important. So here's what John Scott told me. I don't know if you all know John Scott, but he is um, well known on campus. He's our graduate support GA. So he has the chance to interact with a lot of folks. He's in the counseling psychology PhD program. And so here's what he shared with me with regard to um, program engagement. He said that acceptance into a graduate school program is typically a positive life change for students. And it leads to positive emotions. And you all can imagine that, like being excited that you just were, I hope we're, we all remember that, right? We're not so old. We don't remember way back when, when we were accepted into our graduate program. And so we were super excited. Um, But those positive emotions tend to fade over time. So in order to prevent that, then we need to have repeated and expected stimuli. So research suggests that individuals can preserve the positive emotions associated with a positive change by engaging in related activities that evoke a sense of variety and surprise. With that in mind, uh, this all supports the idea that students can maintain the positive emotions that are associated with graduate school admission by engaging in various related experiences like program activities, professional organizations, and others, whatever it takes, so that they have a graduate experience that's dynamic, variable, satisfying, and meaningful. So that is framing our conversation that we're having this afternoon. And I thought I would start by asking, how would you compare the emotional experiences of students who are involved to those who are less involved? So thinking about the students in your own particular program, do you see differences when students are involved versus not being involved? Dr. Brooke, will you get us started on that? Happy to. Uh, the, the aspect about variety and surprise really resonated when I reflected on um, our students and their experiences and, and our work with them. You know, we're, we are a cohort-based program, so our, our students come in and pre- matriculate through the program together as a cohort. Um, and so I've really observed those positive emotions fade, like you discussed. So that first-year cohort comes in and there's the excitement. Mm-hmm. And then around late August or early September is when I observe that initial kind of fade. 
of mm-hmm. that incoming positive emotional uh, kind of response. And then uh, similar to what John Scott spoke about, I've seen those students who then get involved and their experience gets varied and they open themselves up to some surprises and things of that nature. You know, that really stimulates motivation for them moving forward. So as a matter of fact, we've actually got 10 students in a van driving to Virginia right now uh, for a professional conference. Mm -hmm. uh, It's an organization I'm involved with. And so I shared, you know, about my experiences with that organization and things like that. But with the conference being, you know, all the way on the East Coast, I didn't anticipate that level of involvement. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they just took it and ran with it. They started planning and they're like, we're going to rent a van. And this is how we're going to cut the cost down. And, you know, so they made it affordable and they're driving to Virginia where I'm at right now. And uh, our conference starts later this afternoon. And uh, just seeing that positive emotional lift that Mm -hmm. that planning process gave them. And for many, it's their first professional conference. So that's where that variety and surprise is coming in. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as we move through the second half of the semester, when those emotions can really bog down. Mm-hmm. I really saw that, you know, ignite uh, in the students. Uh, the other area I was going to hit on is our students who are more involved. I've really seen a difference in how they respond to failure or mistakes mm-hmm. or perceived failure or mistake and mistake, you know, and so that that idea of involvement or engagement helps students find meaning and identity beyond their their work as a student or in our case, graduate assistant. All of our students are in graduate assistantships across campus mm-hmm. that are heavily involved. But that external meaning allows them to see those mistakes as growth opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas our students who are less involved, really a lot of their identity is connected to their work as a grad assistant. Right. And when they make mistakes, it easily connects to their self-worth, which then you know contributes to imposter sim- syndrome and stagnation mm-hmm. and the, and their you, you see that motivation come down and it, it right. really can turn into this challenging emotional cycle because they don't have that, that external piece that kind of lifts them and drives them outside of just being a student or a graduate assistant. Right. And, you know, as you talk, I think about um, how many withdrawal forms I sign. So anytime a graduate student withdraws, like the last signature on that form is mine. And I don't look at those and go, man, here's somebody who could not be successful in graduate school. Like I believe all of them could be. I look at it and I wonder, did we miss out on an opportunity to engage this student and therefore support them in growing in the field? You know, did we miss out by not providing them with what they needed to learn how to balance everything so that they could continue in their studies? Um, So I appreciate you sharing that. Wondering, Joan or um, Reed, do y'all have some ideas to share? Yeah, I'd love to piggyback on what Thomas said. For our students, um, I think their experiences as graduate assistants or going to professional conferences or being connected with professional associations also gives them the opportunity to see other professionals as just people. You know, so many times I think if you create as a student, if you create this distance between you as a student and your faculty members, you know, they're, the faculty members are, can be put on a pedestal or they never make mistakes Mm -hmm. or they're not just regular people like we are. And so um, I think when they connect with a faculty member or other professionals who are already in the field, they get to see us as 
people as individuals who, mm. you know, are sometimes right and sometimes we're wrong and sometimes we make mistakes and this is how we cope with it. And so yeah. I think it gives the others around the students the opportunity to be good models to them about mm -hmm. how to handle mistakes or things that don't go as expected. And that really, I think, can help them be stronger emotionally in kind of handling their own weaknesses or times when things don't go quite right. Yeah. So I hear y'all talking about um, this idea that engagement, not only does it provide a, a reinforcement for continuing these positive emotions, but it also helps you to like be real about life, you know? And so it's, it's battling against the imposter syndrome and things of that nature as you connect and see others as like regular people, like there's soccer, faculty are soccer moms, faculty <laughs> like don't do well at golf and have their kids chase <laughs> golf balls around or go outside and plant their garden and, and utilize their children to do that, you know, and help them with that. So that's a, a really nice connection. Yeah, I'll, I'll add on to what they were saying. I mean, I agree with, with everything Dr. Bruick and Dr. Simon are saying there in terms of when the students get to see you, they see us in the classroom up there lecturing and they think that we're you know, these all-knowing people about our subjects, and then, you know, we get them engaged in research, and they get to know us a little bit better, and get to see us outside of the classroom, and engage in our research, and discovery, see us at conferences, see our peers, and realize that, hey, we make mistakes, we're not all-knowing, it's fine to say sometimes, I just don't know the answer, and the realism that, that you were talking about is, mm -hmm. is very important, and uh, this imposter syndrome and, and, you know, it's okay for the students not to already know everything there is to know about their research topic. There's still more to learn and we're always learning and that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And, you know, that's counterintuitive, right? I can remember when I received my PhD and I went back home um, one day and I stopped by my old high school and my old science teacher was in there and he said oh there you are you with your PhD and he asked me some off the wall question that I had no clue what the answer was <laughs> like man I studied math education it, that doesn't mean I know about the weather so <laughs> it's counterintuitive yeah. to think that we don't know everything but we don't and we uh, actually have more questions the more we learn the more we question which is just a nice way to look at the world but that is not what people expect until they get to know us and learn in their discipline an obvious downside to increasing your program engagement though so let's let's take that let's flip this for just a moment because um, if you have students that are getting so engaged then there is the chance that burnout will occur or general fatigue and and that can lead to diminished academic performance so from a faculty perspective what is a professional way for students to set appropriate boundaries with faculty members and peers so that we can avoid that dr simon can you address that for us sure i think one of the things that students learn in graduate school is about themselves i think there's a lot of learning about what my capacity is, what my limits are, what things I enjoy, what things I don't enjoy. And so I think it is a real time in a person's life of, of exploration and real understanding of who you are as an individual and eventually will be as a professional. So I really encourage students to, um, and I mentioned this a minute ago when I talked about self-care, 
-hmm. we, I spend time in a number of my classes talking to my students about the ways that they cope with struggles, um, mm -hmm. that they cope with time management, that they cope with just making sure that they're refueling themselves so that they have the energy and the enthusiasm to continue with their studies. So I think helping them recognize what their boundaries are and having a life outside of school. I know graduate school is really a busy time, but you do start to establish patterns or habits in your life at that time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good for students to try to find a balance of things that, yes, they're working hard in school, but they also have to have some time to replenish their own mm -hmm. reserves. So trying to find a balance and sharing with them ideas of ways that they can really refresh themselves. And I think just it takes a level of honesty of knowing kind of where our limitations are. And I think that each mm -hmm. of us, even in my professional life, I still struggle with this sometimes in terms mm -hmm. of <laughs> how do I want to bring this home? Do I not? Do I want to stay late? Do I not? You know, where are those boundaries? And I think it's just some trial and error, but it's you know, being honest with ourselves and realizing when we get run down, we're not as effective. And so giving back to ourselves is really important to keep us energized and keep us doing our best work. You know, as you were talking, I was reminded that in August, so my daughter started a PhD program and her birthday was in August and it was on the same day that the semester started. And so in honor of both, I rewrote the words to Dolly Parton's nine to five song. Um, I didn't sing it. I read it like it was this dramatic reading or whatever, but I changed it. So it's about like you started your PhD program. And so I changed the words instead of it saying working nine to five, it said working all the time. What a way to make a living, you know, barely getting by on a small stipend and tuition, you know, and so it was really funny. I had on a blonde wig, you know, um, and the, but the message, <laughs> the message resonates with people like they, especially those of us in higher ed, like, um, and graduate students, this idea of working all the time. So it resonated with people. And so we laughed. Then, you know, I look back and I'm like, dang, that's just not funny. And <laughs> <laughs> that this idea that we are, we expect ourselves to work all the time and we do. And I've modeled that for her for a lifetime. So she sees that as the expectation. But now that I'm older, um, I've gotten away from that. I've learned to balance and so forth, but she's not seeing that because she's been out of the home, the home, like I live in the home. She's been out <laughs> of the home now for several years. So it is something that we all struggle with and, and setting those boundaries is an important piece to that. I'm wondering if the others have some thoughts to share in this regard. I'll go. I mean, Faculty, I mean, Dr. Simon laid this out beautifully. We love what we do. We can use ourselves as a good example. We love what we do. So it's mm -hmm. easy for us to take stuff home on the weekends or whatever and keep and keep working, but you've got to find that balance. Same thing for our graduate students. They love what they do. They're getting into their program. They love the research. You've got to take time away. I tell our students to work hard, but then also play hard. And you've got to set this stuff aside. And for, for me, it would be advising students to, you know, right now, it's a beautiful time to be outside in Arkansas, go on a hike one day over the weekend, go out and see things, get some fresh air, get away, clear your, clear your brain. Time management, you, they, you know, as a graduate student, you've got to think about time management. In a lot of cases, you've got to, you're on a teaching assistantship. So you're teaching part of the week, you're taking classes, and you're 
doing your own original research. That's a lot of fun activities, <laughs> work related, but that can be highly stressful. Mm-hmm. Time management, make sure you're, you're in the program for the right reason and you, you love all that stuff, but you've got to you know, pay attention to time management and how to take care of yourself. And if you're having issues and you're starting to feel yourself snorkel, You've got to go and talk to your advisor, talk to your peers. You've got to talk to people. Very nice. Just building on that idea of time management, um, from Dr. Adams, that we talk to our students a lot about it feels a little uh, disingenuous to put something you value on your calendar. Like I'm going to put on my calendar a phone conversation <laughs> with a family member or friend or mm-hmm. I'm going to put on my calendar going for a hike one weekend. Or, but really, that, that's the reality. For, mm-hmm. you know, if we, if we don't do that, um, you know, we will always neglect it. And so right. some of us just getting over that emotional piece of saying, I have to put my family on my calendar, or I have to put, you know, fill in the blank X on my calendar, but really that's showing you value it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and then the, the other thing that came to mind is, as we were talking is I think sometimes we rank those things that recharge us. When Dr. Simon was talking, I thought of a, a dear colleague who Law and Order SVU was was her recharge, uh-huh. right? You know, and so she and I we we checked in with each other, you know, and so for me she she always checks in of you know how's family time going? Have you you know have you been going to play golf and and running mm-hmm. around the course with Karis and things like that? And I check in with her saying how much SVU have you been watching, right? And, <laughs> and those those things can't be ranked differently because it's it's what's you know, what recharges you is going to be unique to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think sometimes we, we do rank those differently. And if we rank ours lower, we, again, we won't prioritize. It. You know, people laugh when they find out I watch Days of Our Lives every day, but that's what I need. I mean, <laughs> like that is the one point of consistency and those poor people, their lives are much worse than mine. So, <laughs> you know, talk about making yourself feel good, but no, you're right. Like whatever it takes, whatever you're interested in and, um, and committing to that. And if it takes putting it on the calendar, that's awesome. Um, for me, I started, um, I've never been one as an adult to exercise routinely until a couple of years ago. And uh, my colleague and I started going to jazzercise together. Another point that people laugh at when I tell them I jazzercise. Um, but it's this idea that I'm going and I'm going to meet her there. So there's a level of accountability. We get in about 10 or 15 minutes before class of just catching up on whatever happened that day. So we get a little bit of venting. We get a lot of dancing, we exercise, we feel better afterwards, but I guarantee you, if I didn't have her, I wouldn't be going every day. And mm-hmm. so that, you know, that commitment. So if, for me, it took having a person to hold me accountable to get committed, you know, to make that commitment. Others, it will take, like you're saying, Dr. Brewitt, putting it on the calendar and just honoring that time. That's, that's the commitment that they need. Mm-hmm. Very good advice from all of you. So I appreciate the insights that you're sharing. I'm wondering if there are anything or if there's certain things that you all in your program do to encourage student vo- uh, involvement. So in, in biology, you know, built into our curriculum and our degree is a, a lot of dynamicism and varied experiences, I would say. Uh, a lot of our students come in and teach labs, take mm-hmm. their own classes, as, as I've said, and they're also doing original research. So in any given day or a week, they're teaching labs, they're teaching other students, they're taking, sitting in the classroom, and they're also engaged in the research lab. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a lot of varied experiences. There's no, uh, there's no like idle time there to, 
to get yeah. things, let things get stale, I suppose. Yeah, and um, I know that that research then leads to like the presentations and things. Like I, I get uh, these paper forms that show me they're going off to conferences and things. <laughs> right. So, you know, as, as Dr. Bruick was talking about, you know, getting students getting ready to go to conferences and whatnot, you know, so there's the data collection part that's real fun. Then there's the data analysis part and working with your advisor on interpretation of the data, then putting the poster or oral presentation together and practicing that and all the feedback that comes with that. Then you get the, the real fun part, which is going to the conference and not only presenting your research, but seeing what other professionals are doing and what's going on in that field. There's a lot of work in that process, but there's a lot of reward too, because you come back from that meeting with a new perspective and usually super fired up about what you've been doing because you've gotten all this great feedback and you're they're ready to to go at it again and collect more data and get ready for the next conference. What about in CSPA, Dr. Brewett? Are there certain things that your program does to encourage student involvement? Uh, definitely. We, we're, we're fortunate, you know, we're, we're working in the environment of higher education. So there's a lot of opportunities for our students. So mm-hmm. um, our students, I feel like every year we have at least one student serving on SGA as, as the graduate, one of the graduate representatives. But again, that's an experience that's open to all graduate students. Mm-hmm. Our students, just by the nature of, of our work, I think are exposed to that opportunity more. Um, but I also know they're all oftentimes looking to fill those additional seats. So again, that's an opportunity that could be open mm-hmm. to many. We have a, a student organization asso- associated with our program. It's the Graduate Association of Student Personnel, or GASP, as we call it. So we love our, <laughs> nice. we love our right. <laughs> we we love our acronyms. It's like I said, we're higher education <laughs> through and through. Um, but that's really that organization is really our involvement hub. And so they, in just in the last year, they launched a mentoring initiative where we have second year students paired with incoming students. You know structurally supporting those informal interactions that Dr. Simon was talking about, where they can see that this second year student who made it through year one is, is a human who's, you know, faced mm-hmm. challenges, overcome those challenges. And then very social things, the, the group organized a, a first year versus second year kickball game one, one mm-hmm. weekend this semester. <laughs> and then that was also the group that really organized this trip for the professional conference. And so, because mm-hmm. um, as a organ- student organization, they were able to access some SAFA funding through SGA, which supported uh, their registrations. And then we're able to engage in some other things to, again, open those doors of uh, professional conference attendance and and the the benefits that Dr. Adams talked about with that. Nice. Dr. Simon, is there something you can share in terms of your school psychology program? We have a lot of different opportunities in our department, kind of like biology. I mean, we're a really big department, and so there's a lot going on. At our program orientation every fall, we um, pair our first and second year students so that we do have some informal mentoring that goes on, which is great and I think helpful to both the first year students and Mm -hmm. the second year students in the program. We also, we have a student representative that sits on our faculty, the school psychology committee and is a liaison from our students Mm -hmm. to that faculty group so that if there are concerns or issues that they're brought to the faculty members. So we have a student who does that. We also have students that help. So actually this, current week is National School Psychology Week. Our National Association established this many years ago. And Mm -hmm. so each year during National School Psychology Week, we have 
students from both our first and second year groups that man table a table in Mashburn to share about the field of school psychology with other students. And we mm-hmm. do some door prizes and do a service project and, and all kinds of different things just during this week to celebrate our profession and also to educate others about school psychology. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a relatively unknown area for a lot of people. So there are ways they can get involved in the department. They also get connected to our professional associations. We have a program student representative that, that sits on the board of our Arkansas School Psychology Association. Mm-hmm. So there are just a lot of different ways to get involved. And we try to let students know about those early on in the program so that they can, you know, get connected and feel connected as mm-hmm. soon as they get started in the program. Nice. You know, as y'all are talking, I'm actually reflecting on our students that are online students and our part-time mm-hmm. students. And so I do want to say that Zoom is a wonderful thing. And there were some of us that were using it before the pandemic, but now everybody's using it. So I think that there are ways that we can utilize uh, technology such as Zoom so that our online students can connect and um, and benefit through program engagement as well. And same for part-time students. Like it's hard when you're the part-time student, you feel like you've got to run to your class and then get back to the, you know, your regular life. But as dean of the graduate school, I've had some part-time students say, we'd like some opportunities to get to know other part-time students. And like they're wanting us to have events uh, for well, for all graduate students, but particularly for part-time students. So I, that is on my radar. And if we have listeners today that have some thoughts on what that might look like for both online and part-time students, then um, I'd love to get feedback from folks. So I wanted to be sure and put that out there. Um, but with that said, I want to thank y'all, Dr. Simon Bruick and Adams. Thank you all for uh, joining me today. I really enjoyed the conversation, um, but really the nice insights that you all have shared with regard to program engagement. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been fun. You know, it's kind of odd, like you'd think it would be weird, but it's coming together (laughs) and um, and talking and hearing like what y'all are doing in your program is just wonderful. So again, Mm -hmm. I appreciate you all being here. And I want to thank our listeners for listening to this episode of Grad Chats with Dr. B. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and listen to future episodes.